you can't really mess up if you're just trying to like be yourself and do your thing. So I just try to keep that in mind when I get nervous. Welcome to Daring to Tell. I am Michelle Rado, and today I feel as if I have struck the proverbial mother load. I am talking with Zibby Owens, the creator of the ever-expanding Moms Don't Have Time to Empire. Nothing's gonna make me brave. Nothing's gonna make me brave. Nothing's gonna make me brave except doing what makes me scared. This is a bonus episode because Zibby Owens is not going to be reading anything for us today, though we will hear she still makes time in her schedule for writing. Instead, I have wanted to throw in conversations with other podcasters from time to time to talk about their podcasts and learn a little bit more about how they do what they do. I often feel a little late to the party on some people and podcasts who are huge. I actually learned about Zibby Owens from a Writer's Digest newsletter announcing her latest endeavor, Zibby Books, which I thought sounded like a great idea and wanted to hear more about. So I sent her an email inviting her to be on my burgeoning little podcast, and she replied right away saying yes. So it is with great excitement and pleasure that I introduce to you Zibby Owens. How did you get into podcasting? What is what is your podcasting story? I got into podcasting sort of accidentally. I had been writing a lot of freelance articles. I've been writing for magazines since I was 14. And after I got divorced, I had all this extra time. Uh, I have four kids and I was writing more and more articles and my my new soon-to-be husband, said, you know, you should really write a book for moms with all these articles. And I said, ugh, moms don't have time to read books. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, that's funny. I'll make that the name of my book. So I went out and talked to some agents, and they didn't think that publishers would find that funny. So um, I sort of kept the title. And at the time, I didn't really have a platform and all of that. So Mm -hmm. I went to lunch with a girlfriend of mine who's an author named Sarah Mlynowski, a middle grade author. And she said, well, let me think about it. I don't think this book is quite right for you, but I'll figure it out. And then I passed her going into the school our kids both go to and the next day. And she said, you know what? You should start a podcast. And I was like, what's a podcast? Like, why would I do that? Right. She's like, you, just look it up. So that's how it started. And what year was that that you said, what's a podcast? I mean, I kind of knew what they were, but it was 2018. March of 2018. Right. Oh, and your first episode was in March 2018. Yes. So you jumped right in. Yes. <laughs> Actually, okay, that might have been in February, maybe. But I did it right away. Yeah. That is still like no small feat. So that's pretty cool. And I will say I've, I've heard that story. But as someone who has spent a lot of time listening, there's that sort of camaraderie that we build through listening to each other or also reading each other. So I, I like the chance to talk with you, hear about it firsthand. And I love where the name first came from, because sometimes those moments pop and we just don't even know how much it's going to move forward with a whole trajectory that we don't imagine. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think it through too much because 
I didn't really have a big plan for this. Right, right. <laughs> like, I got a logo and I was like, let's just try it. And I started by reading my own essays and then I was like, I'll just try interviewing authors. We'll see how that goes. And I was like, I'm not going to tell anybody. And I just kind of did it. I just, that's kind of how I do a lot of things, but I just did it. And who knew? <laughs> I think that's very brave. And bravery is kind of like a little bit of what's behind why I do a lot of what I do with Daring to Tell. I have to say, I love, love, love that your very first episode was you reading your own essay, because that is yes. one of the things that I love is hearing writers reading their own work. And that was a little bit of how I decided to kind of get going on on Daring to Tell. So Interesting. So... I have a few questions about the podcasting. Like, what were those early days like for you? What were the challenges you bumped up against, or what did you love about it, or what kept you going with it? Well, first I had to get a couple guests. Um, yeah. So I started with a friend from business school, Lee Carpenter, who is also a novelist. And when I was preparing for my first interview with her, I just wrote up all the questions, which is something that I ended up doing for probably the first, I don't know, 300 episodes or something. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I wrote up all the questions and I sent it ahead of time with like quotes from the book and all this stuff. I was really prepared. I got through like three of them. <laughs> right, with right, her. yeah. Um, but I realized as I sat here with her right where I am right now and she told me all this stuff and I've been friends with her for a long time. Mm -hmm. And yet the two of us sitting here with this microphone, I learned stuff about her I had never heard. I got to know her in a whole new way. And I loved it. Yeah. I just loved it. I was like, this is amazing. This is so fun. And so I guess the challenge was figuring out how many questions to ask, what to ask. Um, I think one thing that I've learned to be pretty good at is I just pivot quickly. So yeah. I learn quickly and then I react immediately. So I learned right away, okay, well, 15 questions was too many. I'm going to limit it to 10 to 12 questions an episode. And then this question was too long. I've got to cut that down. And I learned over time how to you know, get people to talk about different things or open up. And I got much more comfortable myself. And so right. it took a while, but, you know, I did it. And you kept going. And you mentioned the 300 episodes. And so it's the keeping going part of it that I think is challenging for a lot of podcasters. But that's another thing that you've really, like, you've just kept at it. How many episodes were you doing when you first started? Like a few a week, right? No, I start. I actually just started with one a week. Okay. Um, and I did that for a while. Yeah. In fact, I remember meeting someone from like a podcast network who said, you know, you're going to have to go up to two a week. And I was like, two a week? How could I ever do that? Now I do <laughs> seven a week. Yeah, you know. Um, I, do it, I do one a day. Um, but there were very there were a lot of discouraging times. I mean, not many people listened at the beginning at all, and I was like, I wonder if I'm ever going to get these numbers up. And right. I tried to learn from other podcasters. I guess similar to you know, kind of this conversation. Yes. But, um, there was one woman I had on my show early on, Hillary Frank, who hosted the longest shortest time, and had just written a book. And I remember looking at her website, and she'd won all these awards. And I was like, okay, well maybe I should enter these awards, you know, and then I watched this other friend who had been on all these shows on TV shows. And I was like, well, maybe I should try to get on these TV shows. And I just kind of learned by seeing what other people did and combining it all. And, and also, even on the days when I wasn't getting that many downloads, or I was feeling really discouraged, I was like, well, what am I gonna do quit? I love what I'm doing, right? I'm not gonna stop. 
So I, at some point I was like, I'm not looking at the numbers anymore. I'm just going to keep doing it because mm. I love it. And we'll see what comes of it. Yeah, I can kind of assume I know what you love about it. But why don't you tell me, like, what did you love most about it? Or what did you find most kind of um, compelling? <sighs> I love having 30 minutes of uninterrupted time. Mm. Getting to know someone. Yeah. Hearing about them. Getting the backstory of their books, which I read. And now I can't finish every single book, but I was, you know, finishing every single book at the beginning. Hearing the backstory. Learning what makes them tick. Hearing things that I, I wish I, I knew. It, it was like this un mitigated access mm. to somebody who I had so much respect for and I I just found it I still find it really um I mean making those connections there's something just so vital to like so human about it right there's yes. this connection one person to another and yeah. I wasn't doing eight million things that half an hour right. you know every so right. often I'm like I should really schedule a zoom with my husband <laughs> You know what I mean? I should schedule Zooms with my girlfriends because they're so fun and I learn so much. And so I just – and then the fact that other people listen and enjoy it just makes it all that much better. Yeah, I love that because I also identify, I'll say, with the – what you said earlier about the microphone being the excuse to have the conversation and then the time, the permission to have these really significant and meaningful conversations one-on-one with someone. And that is certainly what comes through in the many, many episodes that you've done and had the chance to talk with so many really great writers. And one of the quotes that I recall, and maybe you've said this more than once, I'm guessing, but you were saying how writers are rock stars, and I could not agree more. I just, I too love the chance to have the focused time to talk with someone about something that's so meaningful to them, and I think Mm -hmm. that that connection is something that's so significant. But I have one more question before we leave talking about the podcasting, because you allude to reading books. And that is one of my other like behind the scenes podcasting questions. You said now you can't necessarily get through every book, but you clearly are like in every book that you discuss with everyone. And like, what is your book stack look like? And how many interviews now are you tackling a week? Do you have a recording day where you like stack them all up? Or what's that behind the scenes like? No, um, I sprinkle them throughout the week. Yeah. I do it always when my kids are in school. Oh, my okay. favorite time is to do it, you know, between nine and twelve. Yeah, but I have piles and piles of books. Yeah, um, now they're actually organized like on a little library card, so they're organized by date. The week that I'm going to have them on the show, I do. Yeah, some weeks I don't do a lot for various other conflicting reasons, like the kids' school vacation or. I have a book coming out or something and those weeks so I have to do even more the other weeks so mm-hmm. if I get to 12 though I, I start having a panic attack so I really like what to do have, you mean if you get to 12 in the stack if I have 12 podcasts in a given week oh, it's too much it's too much okay yeah I like to keep it to eight if I can but I often have 10 but then it, some of those have to be children's books or books that are easier for me to get through yeah I can't finish every book but yes I read 
a big chunk of every book, enough that I feel like, okay, I've got it now, right? In some books, that takes a lot longer Mm -hmm. than others. Yeah. And then I can speed read the rest or skim the rest. I can research the author. Sometimes I have the podcast and then go back and finish if I haven't had time the first time. So I don't don't know. It's like a a constant challenge of when I'm going to read what. And now I'm reading all these submission manuscripts too for my publishing company. So the blessing is that I read extremely quickly and I always have, um, and I have great retention and comprehension. So Well, that is very clear. So yeah, I mean, I can barely keep up with all the listening that I like to do. And I go, she's amazing. How does she get through this? I'm I started off doing one episode a week, and as the person producing everything and doing it all on my own, I'm like, okay, one episode a month. I'm going to do yeah. it. <laughs> so I know that that's not necessarily what a lot of people out there are doing, but putting out seven a week, it is amazing and really impressive. And you're doing it really well. Um, so it's a date that I look forward to on my run Aww, when I go thank for thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um have there been any unanticipated surprises about it? Just really great moments or connections you wouldn't have expected or I don't know, anything like that? Um, well, there have been some like super highlights that I never would have guessed. Um, I did a live event, which will come out as a podcast on November 22nd with Hillary Clinton and Louise Penny. Oh, and yeah. They, and I didn't even have to pitch. The uh, The publicist said, hey, here's their tour. Which one would you like to moderate? And I was like, um, okay. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, but I will say I got, I was starting to get a little nervous because it was a live event in front of hundreds of people. Yeah. I mean, on Zoom, you know, but, yeah, yeah. you know, but there I was like, you know, here in my office and like mm-hmm. in the bathroom touching mm-hmm. up my lipstick or something. And all I could say to myself is, this is what you do, right? right like, right. you don't have to be nervous. This is what you do. You, yeah. This is what you do. You've done it almost a thousand times. You're just going to do it again. And I ended up having a great time. So That's great. You can't really mess up if you're just trying to, like, be yourself and do your thing. So I, I just try to keep that in mind when I get nervous. Yeah. That's a very good life lesson I try. <laughs> I do the same thing myself, and I will say my heart's a little like, oh, I'm a little nervous, so I'm going to be yeah. be me. It helps keep the, the big goal in mind. My biggest motivation in doing this is the connections that one finds through writing. Um, and whenever I've met a writer on the page that I have been really moved by or felt connected to through her story. I often have just written them letters and I've connected with a few, which has been really cool. And then as I have started doing the podcast and what I've discovered is a very similar thing about books is that there's an intimacy of the one-on-one connection for that. So I don't know what you've found with that in terms of intimacy that you build with listeners one at a time or with writers in in talking with them? Yeah, I think there is a lot of intimacy in that on both sides. And I think that's why a lot of people, when I meet them, there's like a warmth when I meet people because I've already sort of <laughs> laid myself out there. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's, and it's intimate on the, on the part of the author who's talking to me and yeah, and then having having us in your ears as you go about your daily life. It's a privilege. It really is. It's like a total privilege. Right. 
So what was the writing story for you? You were a writer first. I love hearing that you had your first thing published at age 14. So what what's your writing story? My writing story, yes. I Actually, my first book was published when I was nine um, by my grandfather. Yes, my grandfather had a miniature printing press, and he published two of my short stories when I was nine in these tiny little books. And Aww. I got 20 copies, and I got to hand them out to close friends and my teacher. And I just thought it was so cool to have my name on the spine. Um, that is yeah. <laughs> amazing. Do you still have it? You must have at least one. Yeah, 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 I do. And actually, it's so funny. I just read it. I have four kids, and I just read it out loud a couple of weeks ago to my little guys who are eight and six, and they were hysterical. Um, <laughs> the, with so the funny. story or but, thinking it or knowing that mom was the one writing it? No, it was mostly, I mean, the story didn't make all that much sense because I was so young. You know, I had these crazy <laughs> names and, you know, what? This happened? But the craziest part was... It was like my nine-year-old self was meeting my eight-year-old daughter. It was just the coolest. I love that. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, so that's when I, I just have always done it since I could literally do anything. I've been writing. I love writing. I had journals and diaries, and I, then I learned to type and was writing all the time on the computer. And um, the essay for Seventeen came because I had written one afternoon when I was upset. I had gained some weight after my parents divorced and mm. was sort of venting about that and printed it out, but the printer was in another room, and my mother found it before I could intercept her, <gasps> of course, read the whole thing, and um, uh-huh. and then came in holding it and was like, Zibby, you have to submit this somewhere. This is so good. People can relate to this. And I was like, what? Why would I do that? And she's like, no, 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 try. So we just sent it into 17, and they bought it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was just telling somebody earlier today, I'm like, I'm glad it's so like on trend that to be authentic, because I've been writing this way <laughs> since I was 14. You know, I mean, right. now I'm 45 and it's like very in. So lucky for me, I've had 30 years of practice. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So that's how it started. What keeps you writing or are you able to write much these days? I, I just think the whole moms don't have time for many things, including podcasting and reading. So is this mom finding time to write? I do write. Um, mm-hmm. I... Uh, I have a memoir coming out next July from Little A, an Amazon publishing imprint, and I've had to do a lot of, you know, editing and revisions and stuff, so I'm in that manuscript quite a bit. But I also write all the time. I know this is crazy, but I really think when I write a long Instagram mini caption, it's writing. Yes. Like, it's writing. So I try to do that every day, and some of those I realize have I have a little more to say, and so I start with that and then expand them on Moms Don't Have Time to Write, which actually is my publication on Medium, where we publish other people's personal essays. Mm-hmm. So I do that. I do a lot of book recommending for G- Good Morning America and for Katie Craig. So I'm always writing articles like that. I do one a week. And um, yeah, I, I have a children's book coming out. So yeah, I'm still writing a lot. Writing is just part of who I am. It's just like what I do. I do it every day. It's just like, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I like that story about the Instagram post too, because... I just took on very recently this Twitter 100 challenge, Tweet 100, and it reminded me of back when I was working for the radio station, and every day we had a daily spot, and there's something about putting something out every day, um, even if it's not the same type of writing. I love hearing that you're working on a memoir, which is very exciting, and if you 
ever are interested in reading any on Daring to Tell You are more than welcome to come back and give a little read of it. Thank you. With Thank me. you. You are so interested, but I won't. Thank you. don't you. have to answer that now. <laughs> <laughs> so is there a difference to you when you sit down to write memoir stuff versus the kind of writing we do every day? And I think about them a little differently, and I'm wondering if you do. Um. Yeah, I mean, I definitely had to, you know, get into kind of a different headspace when I was working on a book length thing. But I've also, yeah, yeah, and I've written many books, not many of which have been published, but books that I've written as memoirs and fiction and whatever. Yeah, um, yeah I tend to need to clear the decks, like even yeah. clear my desk um, or not do it at the same desk where I'm doing my emails, right? I have to take my laptop and like clear, I don't know, sit somewhere else. Um, mm-hmm. It is a different type of writing and I need a little bit of a bigger block of time to work on that. I tend to like to do those things on the weekends or when I don't have my kids or, mm-hmm. um, you know, times like that. So if we move on to the publishing, because this is where I'm very curious to hear more about what you are working on. And I guess one of my questions, it sort of seems like going back to when you first started podcasting, was the publishing thing kicking around in the back of your mind was this kind of like part of a larger plan how and when did that kind of that roll out it was not part of the larger plan at all it's not even something that I hope to do one day I had always sort of hoped to open a bookstore but I looked into doing that and and decided that didn't make any sense but um I had never really aspired to start my own publishing company but I just felt when I had talked to so many authors, all of whom had similar issues, and going through the publication process myself, I saw so many ways that I could make it better. Mm. Um, and I was like, I just have to try. And a year ago, I tra- I was going to start it, and I just didn't have things set up well enough. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I put that to bed, and I was very disappointed about it. But I'm so glad I waited, and I just couldn't let go of this idea. I was like, I have to do it. I just have to try. If not me, who? Like, I'm just going to do it. I'm I'm going right. to try. And you know what? It's not going to all be perfect. I'm sure I'll make a million mistakes. We'll try things that won't work, but then we'll try other things because I have lots and lots of ideas. So why not? I love that, and I, I think it's the same with the podcasting or writing or any really creative endeavor when you don't know what it's going to be like until you just start doing it and then you sort of it's like water that finds its way you know in its Mm -hmm. most sort of natural stream like you're going to learn things along the way it's going to become something else yeah but I really love that you were drawn to the publishing as a solution to a problem because again as a writer and in a group of Um, women who have some really incredible and very, you know, well-told, significant, important stories trying to get them published. It's just really challenging. And so I started volunteering at the bookstore that's in our town that is affiliated with the library. And it was the first different job I had done in over 30 years, like working for radio my whole career. And the whole idea of meeting readers, looking for books, matching them up, I was like, this is the coolest thing. I just, I love working there. And so what what was not working out about the bookstore idea that then led you to publishing? 
Um, it wasn't like one other than the other, but instead of the other, I should say. But yeah. Um, I don't know. I was looking for spaces, and I wanted it near my house so that I could run back and forth with the kids. And yeah. Um, I just it it seemed impossible to me to make it into a, a viable business, mm-hmm. and it was going to take a ton of time. And I don't mind spending time on things, but I don't know. For right now, it's not right. I also like to be in lots of different places and not always be in Manhattan. And thank God, by the way, that I didn't do it because that was right before the pandemic. So I'm glad I did not sign that lease. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, that wouldn't have been very good. Well, I saw the press release about Zippy Books, and I had been volunteering at this bookstore for a while, and I was thinking about the publishing model and how there are indie writers and there are indie bookstores so why not an indie publisher and I don't know I've been going around to different bookstores as I've been trying to publicize my podcast and I think well why couldn't they just save one shelf for like local writers or independent writers and Mm -hmm. it be this space where this exchange can happen and And then I saw your press release. So I was like, oh, my God, I have to talk to this woman. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to read one sentence from it that I am curious to know more about. So it says, Zibby is calling on other best-selling and established authors to give back and lift up individual titles from inception to publication. So can you explain that, the book champions? Um, The book champions are best-selling authors who – are taking our authors under their wings. Once their manuscript is at a good place, they have offered to read the manuscript and help out and support and mentor the way they wish sort of they had been mentored themselves. And in exchange for that and also doing an event together perhaps or posting about it or some other way of really getting the word out about the book, we're going to give those authors an equity stake in, in the book. So that they are literally tied to the success. Right. Well, that's pretty cool. And it's kind of like connects the intimacy thing, like the chance to work with a writer. I mean, that's that is, you know, I find myself trying to take all these classes and meet people and you're just sort of taking it one step further. And how are you? You're receiving manuscripts already, I'm assuming. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're having trouble keeping up. Um, wow. It's really amazing, though. It's really, really exciting. Yeah. And do you want to talk about the kind of manuscripts you're looking for to sort of uh, hone those submissions? Yes. We're trying to find books with that are fiction or memoir. We're doing only 12 a year, which is why we're spending a lot of time on submissions. Mm-hmm. Um, telling it like it is is our tagline. Oh, okay. We, we like books that have a strong sense of place, whether it's the Corner Deli or the Canals of Venice, great pacing, diverse points of view, um, people who want to make a difference, who want to share their stories and connect with others. And we want really great writing. So what do you think, I think of podcasting and writing as creative endeavors and obviously the publishing side of the coin is about commerce and I'm wondering what your thoughts are about that between commerce and commerce commerce and creativity like what is I see that 
you are so great with talking with writers, with exploring your own writing, with creating these anthologies. Um, that's all the creative side of the brain. But you've also been able to really move the books, and that's really impressive too. And so I'm just wondering what the difference is, or even if there is a difference between the commerce and the creativity is it all kind of coming from the same well of enthusiasm, passion, that kind of thing? Yeah, I think so. And I think um, this is just how my how my brain works. And yeah. it never it, – it's funny. I went to Harvard Business School, and when we first got there, we all had to take these personality tests. Mm-hmm. And you would get, like, a combination of four letters in the Myers-Briggs oh, inventory yeah. or whatever. And – Mine came out that like only 2% of anybody who'd ever gone to HBS had this personality type. Really? <laughs> yeah. And I was Can like, I ask which one it was? I know I can't even remember. Yeah, I don't I'm remember mine either, but yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever it was, it was not the typical MBA student. And I remember feeling like, oh gosh, I'm such a trait. Like, what am I even doing here? I'm in the wrong place and it's oh. clear that I don't belong and blah, blah, blah. Um, I just have a combination, I think, of all these different things and just the way my brain works. Um, yeah. And so I'm interested. I'm really interested in starting businesses and entrepreneurial endeavors and making companies work and building brands. I really love branding. And that's um, yeah. Uh, connecting, you know, a product to a consumer. And I worked in the marketing space for a little while, and mm-hmm. I find that very interesting. And I also find writing and books and all of that very interesting. So, right, right. I don't know. For me, it's just sort of a hodgepodge in my head. <laughs> well, it's and it's a hodgepodge, though, that all comes together. Because the other thing I was thinking about is, like, what would you describe if there – is there a through line that goes through all of them that you feel like pulls it all together? I think it's all about stories. I, I think it's all about sharing stories and, and connecting and share. Yeah, I think it's just all about bringing something to somebody who needs it. Yeah, yeah. At the right time, the right place. At the right time. Yeah, yeah. the right book, at the right place, at the right time. And same thing for a, a company or a, a product of any kind. Right, right. Well, here's my final question because I I almost forgot to ask my talk about branding. My thing is about writers who are daring to tell and read their true stories. And what has been daring about your moms don't have time kind of empire, I will call it, as well as what's daring that you've come across so far and what is daring, what's most daring as you look into what's next? Um, most daring is, I don't trying things when I don't have particularly the right experience for them. Mm, <laughs> trying, that's interesting. Like, yeah. I'm just trying it. Um, so I find, you know, I don't, I'm not saying I'm not prepared. I am prepared, but I'm not a typical fit for the things or a typical, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just trying new things. So I, I, that is daring. Looking forward, what's daring, um, yeah, just every day I'm like, I don't know, I'm just going to try it. I'm I'm going to handle it today and I'm going to do my best and I hope it works. It's going to be great. Like, And I also, I, I have a lot of confidence that these things are going to work out and mm-hmm. I maybe I shouldn't, but I do. And <laughs> I know that uh, if it starts not working out, I'm going to change it up so it can. And right. I also, 
you know, maybe it's daring to believe that things will work out as they should, but I really do dare to believe that. That is that is a big one. I think that for me, the theme through it is to use that a buzzword again, but is the authenticity. And you obviously clearly have like such genuine passion and enthusiasm for what you do. So thank you so much for finding time in your busy schedule and day to talk with me. I really appreciate it. And I will put links in to find out more about Zibby Books and to follow you in all your many activities. And there's plenty of people out there listening to you, but I hope that we can find even more listeners for you. That would be great. Thank you. All right. (laughs) Thanks, Zibby. All right. Thanks a lot. I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of Daring to Tell, and I hope you will follow this podcast. Later this month, I will indeed release the official December episode with writer Janine Bergdorf of Chicago. She's going to share a very personal essay about when family does not follow a trajectory that we may imagine or hope for ourselves. It's also about the personal rituals we end up creating around Christmas and solstice. So that will come out in two weeks. I would love to hear from you. You can follow me on Twitter at Michelle Rado or send me an email. I'm Michelle at MichelleRado.com. Until next time, thanks for daring to listen. And nothing's gonna break my fall. There's nothing in the protocol. It's like swimming up waterfall or taking away the ground. Taking away the ground. It's like taking away the ground.